Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Elevate Church in Perth, Australia. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app, available wherever you download your apps. So this morning, the things that Jesus didn't say... You know, Mark spoke then about the idea of social media, uh, in particular, giving us a, uh, a view of things or a, an opinion of things that might not necessarily line up with what God would have for us. But can I also say the challenge we face is that often it's our culture and the, the world in which we've grown up in that has taught us things that we aren't really even aware of because we're so used to them, we're so familiar with them. You know, I don't know if you've heard that old story about a, a frog being put in cold water and slowly the temperature gets, you know, turned up and the water comes to boil, but the frog doesn't realise it's in boiling water. Whereas if you threw that frog straight into boiling water, it would jump straight out. And often that's what happens to us is that we're immersed in, in, um, in family culture, um, in, our, in our own um, experience of life in such a way that what we take on board and what we think just is how it is, often is actually more about uh, a shaping that's taken place within us. You know, just this week as I was preparing for this and not related to this though, I was re- rereading a great book by um, Timothy Keller called Generous Justice. And it's a, 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 he's a pastor and a speaker um, and an author from America. And he shared this story of a time when he began to realise that all that he'd known of, of his uh, faith and, and all that he'd known in his experience as a white middle-class American he began to realise that those experiences weren't necessarily the same experiences or same things that God was leading him into. And he talked about this moment that he had, um, him and his wife-to-be had dinner with an an African-American student on uh, campus that they had become friends with. And he said words to them that said, you're a racist, you know. You don't know it and you don't mean to be, but you are. And he said they sat there quite shocked by this very blunt statement. But as this uh, new friend of theirs continued to explain, he said, when I do something, you say it's a part of my culture. But when you do something, you say it's the right way to do something. And he said the, uh, the conversation that took place was so compelling that him and his uh, wife-to-be sat there and realised, we actually think you're right. And it was a moment in his life where he realised just because I've known things a certain way, just because I'm used to things in a certain way doesn't actually mean it's right and doesn't mean it lines up with God's heart for what he has for me. And so that's what this series is all about, is helping us um, have some wisdom about what we do and to recognise that just because we think we know what's right doesn't mean it lines up with God's heart for us. And this morning, what we're going to look at is uh, the, what Jesus didn't say today is that he never said you don't need to forgive them. And that's a really uh, loaded statement, isn't it? Because often, you know, when we are the, on the uh, receiving end of painful situations of wounding and brokenness, even as Rochelle has already mentioned as she led worship, it's quite difficult to really entertain the thought, the possibility that God might actually be leading us to a space where we should actually possibly forgive those that have hurt us. Now, if we wanted to, we could keep this really light and fluffy, couldn't we? We could just talk about the person that cut you off while you were driving here. You know, we could talk about, um, you know, the dog ripping your expensive sheets that you bought. You know, things like that. Um, We'd keep it really light if we wanted to. But, you know, I'm mindful in a room like this that there's people sitting here amongst us. You may even know them. You may be one of them whose story actually has deep personal wounding 
that means this is not a light topic. And so this morning, please hear my heart that I don't want to flippantly sit here and talk about forgiveness as if it's something easy and simple and once off. Because in my experience, this is actually probably one of the toughest things that some people will actually face. And just because God asks us to forgive others doesn't mean that it becomes a walk in the park and it's an easy journey. So can I please say that I don't know your story. I don't know your individual situation and circumstances. So please hear what I say as an invitation to know more of God. This is by no means an extensive, exhaustive uh, conversation on what forgiveness could look like because I don't know your situation. But what I do know is that God longs for us to find freedom in Him. There's a freedom in Jesus that He invites us towards. And I know from my own experience that if I hold bitterness and unforgiveness in my heart, then it's really hard to be open to what God has for me. So this morning is all about inviting you to a space where possibly you might just be able to begin to entertain the possibility that God may want you to forgive, not just somebody else, but possibly even yourself. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes forgiving ourselves can even be a bigger trip in our journey with God. Let me tell you some things that forgiveness isn't. Forgiveness is not a quick fix. It's not at all a quick fix. Forgiveness is not about ignoring your pain, pretending things didn't happen, closing your eyes and clicking your heels, there's no place like home. It doesn't quite work that way. But forgiveness also is not the same as forgetting. So from the outset, please just get that out of your mind. Forgive and forget. What a load of rubbish. <laughs> I don't know whoever said that, but it couldn't be further from the truth if we tried. Now, that doesn't mean that the pain and the sting doesn't diminish over time. But I don't believe that God's asking us to forget these uh, things that have happened in our lives. You know, as I've journeyed through forgiveness, even in my own life, a kind of definition of forgiveness that I've come up with, and please, it's by no means tried and tested and in every situation. But often when I think about forgiveness in my own situation, I, I like to think of the test for me of whether or not I've forgiven somebody is if they can have safe passage in my mind when I think about them. Now, that might sound a little bit strange, but my mind's a pretty active space. <laughs> I think a lot. And so if I've got a grievance against somebody or if I'm feeling hurt or stung, then you can guarantee I'm thinking a lot about that and I'm thinking about that person a lot and I'm just playing scenarios in my head and I'm thinking what I could have said, what I should have said, what they could have done better. And so there's a lot that goes on in my mind. And I learned a few years ago that actually when someone can have safe passage in my mind, then it actually means that I've been able to reconcile in myself what's taken place. And I've been able to reconcile in myself that I'm no longer holding a grudge against that person. And uh, I just give that to you as a throwaway because it's something that's been helpful for me as someone who thinks a lot. Now, not all of you are in that space, but if you're a thinker in this space and you find yourself getting caught in your mind a lot, you might find that helpful. So what I want to do is I want to take us to a scripture in Matthew. And uh, this is some words that Jesus um, spoke to his followers. And uh, it's a point in uh, Jesus' ministry where he, he climbs up to a mountain to get away from the large crowds. He recognises that uh, there's a, a large crowds of people coming and wanting to hear from him. And uh, he climbs up onto this mountain and uh, a bit like, you know, the song we just sang. And then the reality is there's a whole pile of other people that went, I'm going to climb that mountain too. And I want to sit and I want to hear what Jesus got to say. And so in Matthew chapter 5 and chapter 6, we end up with this really beautiful long discourse where Jesus sits down and gets really practical with the people that are sitting around at his feet. 
Now he recognises that the people he's speaking to themselves have kind of gotten quite immersed in their own idea of what faith looks like, their own idea of what uh, religion can do for them. And in the culture of Jesus' day, religion could easily be used as a tool to improve your status in society, could easily be used as a way of insulating yourself against the reality of the societal challenges of the day. So Jesus, in the context that he sits, is very aware that the people at his feet have a certain idea of what faith looks like, a certain idea of what faith can do for them. And yet he sits there and gets deeply personal and deeply practical. So let's read in Matthew chapter 5, and then we'll unpack it a little bit. Matthew chapter 5, and we'll start in verse 43. Jesus says here, You're familiar with the old written law, love your friend, and its unwritten companion, hate your enemy. I'm challenging that. And let's just stop there for a second. It's almost like he wrote the series, right? Straight away he says, I know what you've been taught and I know what you're thinking, but let me say that I'm going to challenge that. That just because you've been taught a certain thing, just because you've got these things in your mind that you've decided, I'm actually going to challenge that as the basis for what you think love is. And that's really what we're doing today. So he goes on and he says, I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer. For then you are working out of your true selves, your God-created selves. This is what God does. He gives us his best, the sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone, regardless, the good and the bad, the nice and nasty. If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Anybody can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. In a word, what I'm saying is grow up. Ouch. Your kingdom subjects, now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously toward others the way God lives toward you. Now, I could almost kind of stop there and just give you space to unpack that, right? That, that, that scripture packs a punch. And uh, I love the thought of Jesus in this moment, recognising that to have relationship with him is deeply personal. It's not something that's kind of pie in the sky, something that's separate to your experience of life, but that it actually is where the rubber hits the road. There's a space where our faith can be a great idea. Following Jesus can sound really exciting We can keep Jesus as a nice accessory to our lives. But Jesus is making it very clear in this space, if we're going to truly follow him, if we're going to allow him to to be the personal saviour that he longs to be in our lives, then it gets deeply personal. But out of this passage, I love that God reminds us through the words of Jesus that forgiveness begins with who God is, not who we are. Because if forgiveness was all about our own goodness, was about being at a place where I could finally summon up enough courage to forgive, I'm not sure that we'd get there. Now, I might have some moments of of goodness. I might have some moments where I feel like I've kicked a goal and I'm really doing all right. But there's also plenty of other moments, right, where we know just how deeply uh, we miss the mark, how much we really uh, are just giving it our best go and it's really falling short. So if we had to wait for our own goodness to be the basis of being able to forgive others, of being able to forgive ourselves, we'd be waiting a really long time. But the basis of forgiving, 
the basis of forgiveness, is actually based upon the goodness of God. God is a good, good God. Now, sometimes if we look around us and we reconcile that with the experiences we have, that can be a really difficult space to land. So for some of you, this will be where you get stuck today. Because when life throws things your way that, you know, have deeply affected you and deeply wounded you, sometimes it's hard to even acknowledge that God is a good God. Because we like to play the blame game, don't we? If we're going to get stuck somewhere, it can often be in pointing the finger, you know, in blaming somebody. Because then we can feel justified in our anger. We can feel justified in our hurt. We can feel justified in our bitterness. So can I encourage you, if this is a challenge for you, to stay and wrestle in this space. Don't feel like you have to just glibly glaze over it because what will happen is you'll create this superficiality about your faith and you'll never be able to move past this point. And God's up for the wrestle. He really is. You know, that idea of God being reckless, you know, he, he's the lengths that which he'll go to to help us understand these truths is far more than we can fathom. So if you have to stay here and wrestle and really get to the ground with God so you can get to a point where you can say that you know that God is good, that he wants good things for me, then the wrestle is worth it. You know, when I came to faith, um, I was 15 and I didn't have a church background. My family weren't Christian at all. And so it was quite of a, you know, a, a, um, a different experience than what I'd had growing up. But I think as a result of that, coming and finding the love of Jesus was so uh, different than what I'd experienced that it was just such a real and um, the experience was just so strong that I've always been able to believe that God is good. Because I think I had such a void of goodness, such a void of love, that by the time I came face to face with Jesus, it was just like, oh my goodness. It was just so obvious. But I know not everyone can have that experience where you just know that God is good, where you can reconcile what's taken place and who God is and how it all fits together. You know, and I remember after many years of of trying to reconcile some of the reality that I had experienced as a child. And because, you know, when you don't know God, you're really in survival mode, aren't you? When you haven't fallen in love with who Jesus is, you're doing your best with what you can. And as a result, you kind of often get quite numb to life because you realise if I really felt these things, I'm not sure how I'd actually cope. So my experience of coming to faith meant that at 15, the following years from that, where I came to know Christ, I actually felt far more undone than I did done up. For me, it wasn't this kind of like, wow, experience and I was on cloud night. It almost felt like I had to come face to face with my humanity. I had to come face to face with the reality of what I hadn't experienced and what I had missed. And so for me, it was a great unravelling, you know, lots of of pain and lots of tears and lots of uh, anguish over what I realised I had missed. But what the result that came from that, though, was being able to land at a place where I was able to recognise that, you know what, knowing God the way I know him now, I'd go through what I went through again. But that was a really tough place to get to. It didn't come lightly, but it was so freeing to realise that the fullness of who God was, the experience of, 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 of Jesus and, and all that he wanted for me was so great, so beautiful, so kind of mesmerising, if you like, that actually I'd walk the same path again. And my hope for you today as well is if you're stuck in this space of not being able to reconcile in your own mind that God is good, that he wants good things for you, I know that God wants to meet you there. He doesn't want you to be stuck there. He doesn't want you to stay there. 
but it does mean being open to what he might want to speak to you. It does mean being open to what others may want to speak into your life as well. And having safe people around you in this space is really, really important. Because safe people create a a foundation, don't they? A, A platform that you can rest on. It almost mimics the anchor that God wants to be for you. You know, we experience it in our human relationships first and then we realise that what God has for us is so much um, even bigger than that. You know, in that scripture that we read earlier, Jesus reminds us that God gives his best. The sun to warm us, the rain to nourish us. So I think you can stop mocking the rain, by the way. And, uh, but it's to everyone regardless, to the good, the bad, to the nice, the nasty. And God looks at us all with great value. He cares deeply for each one of us. So when I hold unforgiveness in my heart, I'm not allowing that love to come through. It's really challenging to really be able to reconcile in our own minds that there's an equality of value that God has placed upon this world. For us, we live in a very isolated space of Australia. Just by pure geography, Our borders don't rub up against any other border. We can be quite happy in our own little space, can't we? But yet there's a whole globe of races, of situations, of circumstances that we know nothing about in our country that God wants to be a part of. And we are no more special because we might have greater affluence, because we might live in peace. Now, that's a blessing, absolutely. But do you hear what I'm saying? God hasn't chosen us to experience that because we're more special. And when we can let go of the unforgiveness in our hearts, it's about recognising the humanity that we all share. It's recognising that God has a plan for each and every one of us. And now, as I shared earlier, that's easier when it just comes to little small offences, isn't it? Small things that we can kind of just move on from, but that's much more difficult when it comes to deep wounds that take place um, in our hearts. So I just want to remind you that God... Who God is, is where forgiveness begins. So don't be worried if you think it's got to start with you. Phew, we can all take a a leave on that one. But you know what else? Forgiveness then continues through our lives. It continues through who we are and how we live. You know, recently I've been doing some... um, some short-term work with, um, with an older one who are a, uh, a high school for at-risk teenagers. So it's a group of teenagers that have basically uh, have not had successful schooling in, uh, you know, kind of their high school experience, perhaps in their own life. There's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of complication that goes on. And uh, one of the things, uh, one of the compulsory subjects they have to uh, learn is PR, which is personal recovery. And so you can imagine they all love that not, a bunch of 15, 16 and 17 year olds. But one of the things that I found really fascinating is I've sat down and I've had to lead a group through uh, personal recovery is uh, this idea of a vicious circle or a vicious, I always say cycle, but it's a vicious circle that, you know, when, when someone hurts us, when we experience trauma, when we're wounded, the hurt that we have often turns into anger and then bitterness and then resentment and then hatred and then what happens if we're not aware of it is we then add another hurt on top of that and the cycle just continues and continues. And what starts happening is we started off with this initial wounding from someone else, this hurt that came upon us. And then how we respond means that we continue that cycle and we add more complication into the mix. Have you heard the saying that hurt people hurt people? And it's true, isn't it? 
the moment you're hurt, the moment you're in that defensive stance, the, what the lengths you'll go to to protect yourself is actually pretty scary. The words that come out of your mouth are actually quite kind of uh, disturbing at times, aren't they? When you get to that point and, and you know, where, where hurt becomes hurt on top of hurt, on top of hurt, on top of hurt. And so it's been fascinating for me to sit down with these young people with really traumatic, um, complicated backstories. More traumatic than they should have to have experienced by the time they're 15 and 16. But they know by the time they're at this class and they're sitting down, the reason they're there is because they've decided they want to change. They know that they can't keep doing the things they're doing and actually have a successful or kind of meaningful life. So there's this kind of, you know, recognition once, maybe twice, you know, that they want to change. But so you're sitting in this group and it's amazing hearing 15 and 16-year-olds talk about why they want to change. Absolutely astounding. As they talk about the ways that they've hurt their parents and they realise, I can't keep doing that. They talk about the ways that they're stuck in the abuse that's experienced and they realise, I, 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 I have to get past this. I can't stay here. But sometimes by the time we become adults and we've moved on, we've become really good at finding coping mechanisms, haven't we? We don't like feeling pain. We don't like feeling hurt. So we'll go to other things. And we've got resources on hand. We've got things that we can do. All sorts of different coping mechanisms. You know, and the kids, as they talk about their coping mechanisms, some of them are not good. You know, we're talking, you know, some of them have quite uh, heavy drug use and um, there's all sorts of um, relationship issues that's going on. So it's by no means, um, it's a colourful array of, of, of students. But sometimes I, I sat there one day and I laughed as I watched all the teachers going out for their coffee or, you know, joking about their kind of wine at night and things like that. And you realise we've all got our coping mechanisms. Theirs might not be as easy to hide because they're young and they're loud, right? When you're 17, you're not trying to hide who you are. So it really has made me think, oh, what are my coping mechanisms? What are those things I go to when I'm feeling hurt, I'm feeling pain, and I don't want to actually deal with it? And not all of those things are bad. So it's not like we've got to throw them all out. But it was really an interesting exercise for me to go home and start to think about personal recovery in my own life and go, what are those things I go to? Because if, we're not, if we are going to get ourselves out of being stuck in this cycle of hurt and hatred then forgiveness has to be a part of that, doesn't it? Forgiving others for what's taken place, but then forgiving ourselves for the things that we've done on top of that. The hurt that we've continued, whether it's been passed on to others or, or what we've done to ourselves is very real. You know, it was only a, um, a couple of weeks ago, right before I started this message, that I, uh, I had a situation even with a friend where uh, some things went down and, you know, and I felt quite hurt. Um, quite devastated by what had taken place. And it was a real challenge for me in that moment as I realised, oh, I'm actually not okay. Like, I'm actually feeling really hurt by this and I don't actually know how to move forward. And one thing I'd encourage you in and something I felt very strongly from God in that space too was God's not asking me to pretend it didn't happen. He's not asking me to pretend I'm not in pain. And that was a real challenge for me when my friend approached me and wanted to talk and say like, oh, are you okay? How's everything? And I thought, how do I respond in this moment? Because I'm not okay. I'm actually deeply hurt. And it took a lot of uh, kind of thinking, because like I say, I'm a, I'm a thinker. And I sat down and I crafted a text to this, to this friend of mine because I thought I want to get this right. But I had to have some honesty where I was able to say to her, can I be honest? I'm actually not ready to talk right now because I do feel like I've been kicked in the guts. And I felt like I needed to be honest about the fact that her behaviour had been quite self-absorbed and actually that had hurt me. 
And then I really had to think through, how do I, how do I communicate via text, which is always a challenge too. But I had to just say, you know, I have no doubt that we can talk about this at, at a later time because we're friends. But I'm not ready to talk right now. And I felt in that moment quite uh, a sense of freedom of being able to say, I needed to own the fact that I wasn't okay. I needed to own the fact that I was actually deeply hurt, but also own the fact that because of my faith in Christ, because of who Jesus is, I do have hope that we can still be friends. This is not the end of our story, but it's also really raw right now and I actually can't talk about it now because I didn't trust, honestly, what would come out of my mouth in that space. You know when there's an initial wound? Really, there's first aid that needs to take place, isn't there? We kind of have to put some first aid on that wound before we can then begin to think about the healing process And I realised in that moment, I'm still at the like first responder space. (laughs) I'm still needing first aid on this wound. But I'm sure that once that calms down, that actually the recovery process I know will involve healing and it will involve forgiveness. And so forgiveness continues through our lives as we determine how we respond in those moments. As we take the time and the wisdom to discover what it is that will be. You know, this morning when I jumped on my Bible um, app and it, to read some, uh, some scripture ahead of time, the Bible verse that came up today, which I thought was really appropriate for where we're at, it's just loading, here we go, was in Proverbs. And it says, start with God. The first step in learning is bowing down to God. Only fools thumb their noses at such wisdom and learning. And it just reminded me in this space of forgiveness that we must always remember that it starts with God. But then how we respond out of that space matters deeply because we either open ourselves up to who God is and to more of God in our lives or we shut ourselves off and we continue in that cycle of hurt, anger, bitterness, resentment, hatred and it goes round and round and round and round and round and we end up eating ourselves from the inside out, don't we? But you know, in, uh, in Ephesians, there's a great scripture Where are we? Ephesians chapter 4. And Paul says, Go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. And I love the way that's worded because it gives us permission to feel how we feel, to acknowledge that we've been hurt, to acknowledge the pain and the anger that we feel. But how much wisdom is there? Don't use your anger as fuel for revenge because that's what we're told is okay, right? If you've been wronged, if something's happened against you, well, it'll all be okay once justice is served. And by justice, we don't mean God's sense of justice because God's sense of justice is putting things as they should be, making things right. We, when we hear justice, we think of punishment really. You know, all will be well when you've been punished for how you treated me. But can you hear the hatred that's bred in those phrases? And so here Paul is reminding us, be angry. It's okay to feel how you feel because actually I might need you to use that anger on behalf of someone else because as you come up against the injustices others have experienced, that might just be the fuel you need to stand in the gap, to advocate where it's needed. But don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold. Don't let what others have done to you become the thing that allows you to be stuck recognise that the very thing that the enemy would use to keep you down and small and squashed is the very thing that God would use to open you up and allow you to even begin the process of healing. You know, our scripture back in Matthew, 
encouraged us to let our enemies bring out the best in us, not the worst. There's a big challenge, right? When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer. For then you're working out of your true selves, your God-created selves. Now that's what we want, isn't it? We want to be able to operate out of who God has made us to be. And it's it's a hard word to take on board the fact that God might want us to forgive others and ourselves. It really is a hard and difficult word. But there's a freedom to be found there that we can't miss. You know, a few verses after in Matthew, we read in chapter 6 that Jesus says, In prayer, there's a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. Now, remember, it doesn't mean that it begins with us because forgiveness begins with God and who he is. But what it's saying is that just maybe there's a pride that we experience in not forgiving others, in not letting ourselves experience forgiveness as well, that possibly gets us in the way of our relationship with God as well. That same pride that stops us forgiving, that stops us accepting forgiveness is the same stopper, if you like, in, the, in the, the flow of God's love to us. So don't be fooled. There is a connection. You can't hold on to unforgiveness over here and just continue on in your journey with God and think that the two will never meet. Because I guarantee you, you'll keep hitting a brick wall. You'll keep hitting this point that you can't get past. You'll keep getting stuck. And it might just be that there's some unforgiveness that you might need to revisit. Again, not to just rehash the same old things, but as a way of recognising, does that person have safe passage in my mind? Do I have safe passage in my own mind? That's my bigger challenge. And how kind am I to myself when I haven't gotten things right? But you know, I love those words that we read in Matthew. In a word, this is what Jesus is saying. It hurts, but maybe it's time to grow up. You know, we are Jesus' followers We're following after Jesus, so now we can live like it. We need to live out our God-created identity. We need to live generously and graciously towards others, the way God lives towards you. And, you know, I want to encourage you this morning that um, any talk of forgiveness, um, recognising the damage and the hurt that you might have experienced, please don't think that this 30 minutes, that this small time we've had together, this brief kind of one-sided conversation, let's be honest, is all that's required. You know, this is not a landing space. I don't expect that you'll walk out of here today solved, fixed, you know, magically all forgiven. But I do believe that this can be a launch pad, if you like, a space where you can grab hold of some of God's heart for you, where you can begin to entertain even the possibility that there might well be freedom, the other side of forgiveness. And I know that that's God's heart for you, just as it has been in my own life. And you know, it's deeply, deeply personal. But can I encourage you to find safe people around you, to continue to talk that through. And there may be a time where you may have to stop rehashing that, but you won't be able to get there on your own. It's God's spirit at work in you. It's a great community that comes around you and allows you to move forward. But can I encourage you to explore what it would look like to have the courage to believe that there is freedom, the other side of forgiveness.
Now, would it be okay if I prayed for us to finish up? I'd love to pray for you. And now I'm going to ask you while I pray, if you want to, feel free to close your eyes. I find it's just a really helpful way of zoning out distractions around me and focusing in on the moment. And, you know, I also find it really helpful just to open my hands to God as a, as a sign of bowing down, as that scripture said, a sign of surrender to who he is and recognising that, God, maybe you want to do something in me. So if you feel like there's something God's stirring you today and you want to be open to that, can I just encourage you to just open your hands before him as a way of receiving what he might have for you? And I'm going to pray for us. Father, I thank you for the silence. Father, I thank you that your spirit is here and at work amongst us. Lord, I thank you that you are a good God. Father, I thank you that you are God who creates beautiful things. And Lord, I pray as we come before you in this space, often feeling far less than beautiful, often feeling quite beat up and banged up and broken. Father, I thank you that you don't turn away from us. Father, I thank you that your arms are wide open. And Jesus, I thank you that you've paved a way that we can have access into the very presence of God, into the very presence of our Creator. And Lord, this morning we come before you and we recognise the state that we're in. And Father, I thank you that you're not finished with us just yet. Father, I thank you that your, your face is warm and, and loving. And Father, I just ask that you do a work in our hearts. Holy Spirit, may you continue to transform us, that we might become anew in Christ. Lord, I thank you that you're doing a work not just in us, but in this community of believers that have gathered in this space. And Lord, whether we're so new on that journey or whether we've been doing it for 20 years, Lord, I thank you that there's something more that we can know of you. So Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for this space. And we just ask, Lord, that you give us the courage that's needed to forgive. Father, I thank you that you have forgiven us for all the silly, hurtful things that we've done in our time. And Lord, as we accept your forgiveness, may we not hold on to that like selfish children, but Father, may we allow that to forgiveness, that forgiveness to shine a light so that others might come to know you as well. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. And we're so grateful for all that you've given us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's a privilege to play our part in all that God is doing in and through you. To find out what your next step could be or to partner with us to reach more and more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and download our Elevate Church AU app, available wherever you download your apps.